0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I'm Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my good friend, Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight?
1: What's up, Chris? It's always good to be on with you, buddy. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we're still in that dead period in January where we're just kind of waiting for some stuff to happen. We did get a little, we, we got some little things that happened in the last week since we've talked last. So we've got some content, but we're still kind of in that dead period, just waiting for kind of waiting for spring training and any final moves to be made. So, but it's always good to be on with you, buddy.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're we're coming – we're getting close. I mean, baseball is right around the corner. Uh, I think we're about uh, 30 days from spring training, start of spring training, a little, little, little less than that now. And uh, Braves Fest this weekend, uh, it's going to be a big thing out at Trist Park. Uh, I'm going to be there for the media portion of it. and So, you know, you guys – be sure and check out the site Saturday and into next week because we're going to have a lot of stuff. They've got a good uh, number of players lined up to speak. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some good uh, good things come out of that. But uh, getting into tonight's episode, we talked about arbitration last week. We kind of previewed it. I wanted to kind of wrap it up today. Brace settled with four of the five guys that they had, which I think was a little surprising. I think you and I kind of thought maybe A.J. Minter might go to uh, an arbitration hearing, but the the brace settled with menner for 4.2 million, Joe Jimenez for 2.7 million, Lucas Licki for 1.55 million, and Dennis Santana for 1 million. Uh, menner came a little bit under the MLB trade rumors uh, projections, but you know I thought wasn't terribly surprised that that those guys all all settled and uh, you know are are signed up now. But was you were you a little bit surprised about Menner? I was
1: surprised at the number, for sure. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors usually is pretty spot on with their projections. It's a, it's usually only a, a couple percentage of points one way or the other in terms of the final number, but, you know, they had Minner projected at 5 million, and he signed, I think, at 4.2, which is a pretty big gap, you know, relative to projections. And And actually, if you look around the league, there was a lot of, there were a lot of the projections that the actual numbers came in under projection not just for the braves but for a lot of guys so i don't know if you know i don't know if the new cba or you know mlb trade rumors projection model got a little skewed with the different market you know you never know but other than that there wasn't anything terribly surprising i thought aj would I wouldn't be I wasn't going to be surprised if AJ went to a hearing. I wouldn't have been surprised if Jimenez went to a hearing or if they tried to work out some long-term deal or multi-year deal with Jimenez just to try to keep him past 2023, but yeah, it all kind of went I mean it's, you know, it's arbitration. So there's not a lot of variance to it typically, so um you know, we'll get into Max Fried in a minute, but the the other guys, yeah, it other than Mentor coming in, you know, a good bit below what I thought he would get, it was pretty standard.
0: Yeah, I think um Last week, I, I didn't really give much thought to Jimenez. I don't know why. I know it came up in Slack that you know that somebody suggested that he might go to the hearing, and he actually ended up getting more than what MLB trade rumors had projected. So you know maybe the Braves didn't want that to get to a, get to a hearing. I, I'm not sure, but but yeah, you hit on it. I mean the the biggest news out of this whole whole thing was uh, Max Freeze headed headed back to a hearing for the second straight year. The reports are out there that Freed filed at 15 million and the Braves filed at 13.5 million. It's, you know, it's not that big of a gap. I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. I mean, it pretty much guarantees he's going to double his salary or nearly double his salary from last season. And uh, MLB trade rumors projected him at 12.2, so he's going to do uh, significantly better than that. Uh, you know, depending on how this how comes out. And I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'll be surprised if he uh, if he doesn't win his hearing as good a season as he had last year.
1: Yep. Two years in a row now he's gone to an arbitration hearing. You know, he won last year. Uh, he got $6 million, And like you said, he's going to – you know, the arbitration panel chooses one of the two numbers. There's no compromise or anything. It just picks either the player's number or the team's number. And whichever one they pick, Max is going to get double what he got last year. And that's not easy to do, you know, when you're going from arbitration – Arbitration three to arbitration four, or I'm sorry, arbitration two to arbitration three, getting double your money. Um, And obviously, Max had a Cy Young caliber season last year. He finished second in the, in the Cy Young. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So you know, if anybody's going to get that kind of money, and 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 was still another year of team control left, then it's going to be him. But yeah, good for him. I mean, he obviously deserves he deserves more than that. I mean, he's he's still comically underpaid that's just kind of the 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 bullet that all these guys have to go through when you go through arbitration you know if 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 max was on the open market and got to sign a free agent contract and he would be making 30 million dollars next year instead of 13 or 15 but you know that's just the process these guys have to go through that's part of the team control and but good for him i'm i was happy that the braves filed at a such a high number relative to projection it's always important to remember the numbers that they file at aren't necessarily the numbers that they were negotiating at. um some guys you know will negotiate a good bit higher than the actual number they file at because they want to win the they want to win the hearing, so they'll they'll file out maybe a more conservative number than what they were actually negotiating at. so you know you can't read too much into the actual numbers filed because it just doesn't tell us a whole lot but yeah, good for max um I do think there's a lot of doom and gloom anytime a player goes to an arbitration hearing it, it, we do this every single year and every single year people freak out, you know, either about the amount of money that's being, you know, disputed or the fact that there's a hearing at all. Um, You know, the most famous example now is Austin Riley going to an arbitration hearing last year in May. remember they were the arbitration hearings last year were in season because of the lockout. So his arbitration hearing wasn't until May he lost that. And then he signed a long-term extension two, two months later. So, you know, fans always have this kind of doom and gloom that if you take a player to a hearing, it's going to sour the relationship and you'll never get them locked up long-term. And and obviously Austin Riley was exhibit A is why that's not usually true. Uh, most of the players know this is this is just part of the process. They don't take it personally. A lot of times it's just their agents, you know, they're not even, especially last year when they were, when the hearings were happening in season, they're not even, they're not even around for the hearing. They they just let all their agents and representation handle it. So it's really not as big a deal as some fans think it is, but you know, with Max and because of Freddie and Dansby and what's happened the last few years, obviously all the attention gets turned up to eleven and still going to be until we get some sort of resolution, either he signs an extension or he, he walks in free agency, this situation is going to be front and center.
0: I mean, that's a great point about Austin Riley, and that was something that I had kind of forgotten about till I, I saw that tweet and had to look it back up because, like you said, arbitration was was messed up last year. We didn't have, you know, you didn't have that week where you got all the results because, you know, I, in fact, I think Freed was one of the last players decided, and uh, he was, he was uh, after a... Uh, Austin Riley, who, you know, uh, lost his case with the Braves in in May. So, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand how arbitration works. I do think the hearings can be uncomfortable at times, you know, because granted both sides want to win. But in in Max's case here, I mean, he's going to double, nearly double his money. You know, so even if he loses, he didn't really lose. You know, as yeah. far as that goes uh you know it's when you look at that, but you know the free freed situation you know it's been a hot topic most of the off season, but uh you know, I thought you wrote a good article the other day about um uh, kind of looking at how they've locked up so many guys, but only one pitcher you know while everything looks good right now for the next couple of years, there's some uncertainty in that rotation, you know long term and you know, and, and a lot of that starts with Max Freed. I think, you know, we even got into discussion in Slack group the other day about Kyle Wright and what great of, how great of a season he had last year. And, you know, the Braves are kind of counting on the same thing, but, you know, there's some there's some warning signs, and I mean, you know, it's one of those things, you know, what have you done for me lately? But you kind of want to see Kyle go out there and do it again, you know, before you kind of start penciling him in as, uh, you know, a number two or, or, or whatever, but you know, I, it is going to be interesting to see how they handle the pitching, and if they do hand out any more of these long term, you know, long term deals uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, Alex did a great interview with the Athletic, um, or no, he did it. He did an interview with uh, Dave O'Brien's podcast with um, Erico Flaherty, and he they basically had him on the entire episode. It was almost an hour long, and he spent a lot of time talking about the rotation and how he was concerned that you know really only Strider and, and Kyle Wright are locked up past 2024 charlie morton's uh well he's not a free agent he, he does have an option he has an option at the end of the year but it's it's probably unlikely that the braves are going to pick that option up so there's a very good chance that this is the last year for charlie morton with the braves obviously max is locked up for two more years um and then after that it gets real dicey and alex spent a long time talking about how much he's concerned about that how how worried he is about that um he said it's kind of top of mind for him it is is getting the rotation figured out. And that's what I wrote on the site. I think it was Tuesday, but when you lose a guy like Freddie Freeman or Dansby Swanson, the fact that you have so many other really good players locked up means that you can absorb those losses easier, right? if you have a bunch of position players who are already locked up, you already have under team control for a long time or under extension for a long time. Then even if you're losing high quality players, because you have so many other high quality players in the fold already, you know no one guy losing one guy is going to kill you but that same that same advantage doesn't exist on the starting pitching side the Braves just have Strider locked up in terms of long term and Kyle Wrights obviously still got years of team control left because he got such a late start in his career but other than that man it's 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 dicey in terms of you know the long-term projection and listen that's not unique to the Braves. I mean a lot of a lot of teams kind of go year to year or two years you know every two years with their rotation just because pitchers are you know are so volatile. But you know without Max Freed in the fold, it gets very very dicey very quickly. Especially if Ian Anderson doesn't come back to form, you know if Mike Soroka is never the same guy which is probably the fair bet at this point, you know, we are, we're all rooting for Mike to be the same guy, but odds are, he's probably not going to be the same guy. He's probably going to be, you know, more of a, a, a solid contributor than a a frontline starter. So, you know, when you start piecing it all together, the rotation's got some, the rotation's got some interesting, it's going to be a very, it could be a very volatile time over the next couple of years if they don't get max locked up. Now, if they locks, if they lock max up, then it, it all becomes so much easier. Because if you can just start every year knowing you've got Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, you know, then you can piece the rest together. That's just a, a such a solid foundation that you can piece the rest together pretty confidently year to year. But if you take Max out of that equation, man, it, it gets dicey quick. And so, you know, I wrote on the side, I think keeping Max Fried is way, is way more important than keeping Dansby or Freddie just because of that. Just because they don't have the same certainty in the rotation that they do on the position player side. So... Yeah, it's going to be the main story,
0: Uh, at least off the field. It's going to be the
1: main story for the next couple of years.
0: It was interesting to listen to Alex uh, kind of talk about it because the feeling was kind of, I don't know, for me, I kind of looked at, you know, he's done. He's been famous kind of for these one year deals, you know, and they've got a lot of mileage out of them. Uh, You know, we've seen it with Morton, uh, you know, Drew Smiley. You know, granted, he was terrible at times, but he soaked up a lot of innings for him. But you know, I just didn't know because you know, locking up pitchers is a lot, lot more risky than than going with position players. So it was interesting to hear him say that. But you know, you and I was talking last week about how big this season is for Mike Soroka, and the same same really applies to Ian Anderson. Uh, yep. You know, Ian, um, I was looking at his insta. He he had an Instagram story the other day. He's been working at the pitching lab in Wake Forest. Uh, I tweeted that out. Man, I got some hilarious replies. Uh, apparently, a lot of people are not uh, up to date about how advanced Wake Forest is with their pitching uh, in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, I thought that was good to see to see him up there because I just don't feel like he's been healthy, I'm, you know, since uh, that shoulder injury. What was that? 2020 or twenty 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 or twenty twenty one twenty. Yeah. Know, in the second. It was 2021 because it's right after It's the same time Acuna got hurt. But, I mean, there's enough. You know, you you and I have talked about it. There's there's other things about Ian that worries you besides just the, you know, that shoulder injury too. I mean, there was some, you know, there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors with him. But here's a guy that's been successful. He's made it work in the past. And, uh, you know, it would be a huge shot in the arm if you could get Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka back anywhere close to their previous form, you know, and then all of a sudden this picture looks a lot different. Uh, but I also think, you know, I think Braves drafted some uh, interesting pitchers, you know, down in the lower levels. You've got guys like Jared Schuster, Darius Vines, uh, Dylan Dodd, up, uh, made it all the way to AAA last year. But it does feel like that the pitching staff is going to have to be the focus uh, as soon as next offseason. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm not completely closing a book on Max Freed. But, you know, I do, you know, you and I have talked about it. He's going to be a little bit older when he hits free agency. I'm not sure that matters. Maybe it does. You know, it just really depends on what Max is looking for in a contract. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, you know, I think the Braves, it's just going to get more expensive every day. So, you know, uh, the fact that they haven't locked him up, you know, it kind of feels similar to Dansby in, in a lot of respects. So that's going to be something interesting to see. But there's one thing, this isn't on our, this isn't on our rundown, but I wanted to bring this up because I've, I've getting too many tweet, too many uh, mentions on this on Twitter, but you know, there's just ideas out there that the uh, Braves need to trade Max Fried. And I mean, this is, this is the most ridiculous idea I've heard. Uh, I know where it came from. I know where it started. It started on a, uh, an early morning MLB Networks uh, show that's been full of hot takes this whole offseason. But the Braves are in a different spot now. If they were still rebuilding, sure, as he gets closer to free agency, you can't sign him. You want to trade him. This team's trying to win World Series. You're not going to trade your ace. You know, that's just – I mean, that's that's absurd. You know, and I don't know – I don't know why this is out there, uh, this thinking's out there. I mean, you just sit there and watch them – let Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson walk away. You know, I don't think anybody would have suggested two years ago that the Braves need to trade Freddie. I don't think anybody would have suggested last year that Braves need to trade Dansby Swanson in the middle of trying to win a world series again, you know, trying to run the Mets down. So, you know, I, you know, this is just crazy. I can't, um, I'm, things would just have to go completely bad. uh, So bad, you know, for that to even become a, a possibility as far as i as far as i can tell i mean i don't you know i don't know where that that uh if that was just speculation that was disguised as a rumor or or what but you know i just can't imagine sure the braves may talk about a lot of things but i can't imagine they would seriously entertain the thought of trading max free
1: I think somebody in MLB Network over the winter decided that they needed some more ratings, and decided that anything that they can come up with that even has a a hint of feasibility is now going to be reported on air. Because the all, like you said, all, all season, man, they've just had some takes, just some capital T takes that have just been nonsense. And you know, the Braves are, if you look by, if you look at like Fangraphs projections, like the Braves are projected to be depending on what you look at either the, the number one or number two, best team in baseball next year, one of the highest world series odds of any teams. When is the last time you saw a world series, a world series favorite, or, you know, at least world series contender trade their ACE before the season starts. I mean, it doesn't, it never, ever happens. The only time you use guys like this get traded is if, you know, you're talking about Scherzer on the nationals a couple of years ago when they were 25 games out at the, you know, at the break and, and they had no hope of re-signing him. And, and it was basically just let's get anything for him before he, he leaves. And, and the Braves are just nowhere near that point, you know, either at neither as a team or, you know, in, in terms of team control with max. I mean, they've got, they've got time to get this stuff sorted out. You know, if, if the Braves were terrible and this was max year, Max's last year under team control, then yeah, it's definitely something you consider, but neither of those things is the case. So yeah, that, that, People, this is where like the fantasy baseball, money ball stuff does bother me sometimes. Is you know the the value of winning in twenty twenty three is more important than whatever marginal prospect you would get for trading Max now versus say like next off season or you know two trade deadlines from now or whatever. You know they might get to a point where they trade Max if if one of these seasons doesn't go well. But when you're talking about the before a season even starts, and you're a World Series favorite, absolutely not. I mean, that that just can you imagine the message that would send to the fan
0: base and to the locker room? And yeah, I mean, you couldn't go back in the locker room. You could, I mean, you could, we, you have saw to. This, you know, we've seen this already. You know, with uh, um, you know, it kind of happened with Milwaukee last year when they traded Hater. Yeah, and then we've seen it. You know, we've seen it. You've seen this situation with the Mariners. Uh, I think when they traded uh, Graveman. You know, or somebody, one of those relievers, you know. I mean, that's just telling your – I mean, basically you, you're just announcing to your your clubhouse that, hey, you're throwing in the towel. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's not – it's just it's, – it's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Um, I hated to even bring it up, but, you know, I keep seeing it. Anytime you trade – anytime you uh, you mention Max Fried on Twitter now, you get back, well, the Braves will trade him. Yeah. They're not, not going to trade him. You know, like you said, maybe if they get into that last year and the wheels come off, you know, maybe. You know, may you know, maybe it comes in, but you know, this is a team that's trying to win the World Series. They're not gonna, they're not gonna trade their number one, number one starter. Uh, I just don't, you know, I I can't make it, I can't make it uh, wrap my head around the, that kind of thinking. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Braves did make a uh, minor roster move um, this week. I think it came out yesterday, actually. Uh, recording this on Thursday, uh, they agreed to a minor league deal with Kevin Pilar. Veteran outfielder. Uh, I believe I saw that he will make $3 million if he makes the Major League Club. Pilar, you know, he, he was the longtime Blue Jay outfielder, good defender. Spent most of last season in AAA. Finally got up to the Major Leagues with the Dodgers. Appeared in four games and then hurt his shoulder and had to have offseason surgery. He's 34 years old. I was looking at his fan graphs. I mean, there was a time when this guy was one of the better defensive outfielders out there. But, you know, at his, at his age now, he's more average average to above average a little slightly above in the in the corners but uh you know i wonder you, when you see a veteran like this uh pop up and given the Braves outfield situation i kind of wonder if you know he's got a good good chance to make the to make the club but you know what would you think about uh signing uh pilar
1: i don't know if i can actually say what i thought I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the on the radio or on the <laughs> podcast cuz I actually tweeted out a picture of of kind of what I thought um you know the Braves are basically taking their left field situation and they're you know they're throwing um they're throwing things at the wall to see if anything sticks essentially that's kind of the you know that's kind of the the plan for left field this year and and you know Pilar is kind of one of those guys like you mentioned he's he's not young he's he just turned 34 um, he's not a great hitter. He's a, he's a decent hitter yet, you know, like last year or in 2021, at least he had 15 homers with the Mets and you'll actually remember, um, Jacob Webb hit Pilar in the face, with yeah. a fat, like a 95 yeah. mile, hour fastball a couple years yeah. ago. And
0: yeah. And he uh, was back, he was back a lot sooner than anybody was expecting. Yeah.
1: You know, and he's, day. he's supposed to be like a amazing clubhouse guy. And, a, you know, he's a veteran. I'm sure you know, that's part of the calculus of bringing them into is, you know, it's kind of a young clubhouse and they want some veterans on the bench. So, you know, you have that extra bench spot just because you have to carry an extra player. And if, if you don't really have anything else to do, with that spot if you want to carry a veteran who can help guys kind of make it through a long season makes some sense. Pilar still got some utility. Um you know, he can be kind of that Heredia, Gilmore Heredia role where he he can be the guy that comes in in left field to end the game if you don't want Rosario out there with the lead. You know, Eli White was another guy the Braves brought in for that same thing, but Eli White is I mean he he's basically hits like a pitcher. I mean he's he's one of the worst hitters in baseball, so Pilar is probably a little bit closer to you know a respect at least a respectable bat. I think Steamer has him at like a, I looked this up when they got him. I think Steamer has him at like a ninety WRC plus for next year, which is obviously isn't good. But it's it you know when you're talking about a bench bat that you know is going to do a lot of defensive replacement work then that's passable, and especially if you're getting a lot of veteran leadership out of him and it's a it's a bench spot that you don't really need anyways, then you could see it happening. I I I don't think they brought him in just to be a, a spring training filler. Um, you know, he's a, he's a highly respected guy. He's been around a long time. So I, I do think he's got to, as long as he just doesn't collapse in spring training and, and at least shows some sort of, you know, capability of, of, still being able to play, then I think he's got a decent chance at that last bench spot. Uh, but left field is, uh, is, it's kind of a hilarious, actually, if you go and look at all the names and kind of their stats and, what their projections are. It really is just the Braves, you know, the Braves clearly didn't want to spend a lot of money and left. And, you know, they have Rosario and Ozuna who are both, and I think we're going to get to a couple of those guys here in a minute, yeah. but, but yeah, that, that they're very clearly just throwing names at the wall and, and hoping that they get some decent production somewhere um, at least, you know, in, in April, May and June. And if not, they can make it, make a move in July.
0: Yeah, let's let's look at this outfield situation now. We did this, I think, a couple of weeks or a couple of shows ago, but um, you know, it is kind of interesting and I don't know we don't really know the details of all of the details of Pilar's contract. Um, you know, typically I mean he's on a minor league deal, so if he doesn't make the club, he could go to Gwinnett. Uh typically with a veteran like that, there's gonna be an opt out date potentially. We don't know for yeah. sure, but you know, there is a chance that they could stash him at Gwinnett for a little while. Like I said, he spent most of he put up good numbers for the Dodgers AAA team last year, and and saw a significant amount of action there. So, you know, you know, it's not out of the question. But just looking at the Braves forty man roster, they got seven outfielders. If you count Ozuna, of that Acuna, Harris, Rosario, and Jordan Luplow, look safe to me. All right, we'll talk about Ozuna here in a minute. Eli White's on the 40-man, but he's got two options remaining. So I think that gives him a little bit of an edge, you know, because they can option him if they keep him on the roster. And then Sam Hilliard, uh, whom they they acquired from Colorado, I think way back in November, he's out of options. And that's part of the reason that uh, the Rockies uh, dealt him, because it was right around the time of the, uh, they needed the 40-man spot. So, you know, it's an interesting situation. I kind of feel like, you know, Pilar would be uh, competing with Hilliard, in a lot of ways, uh, as far as this goes, the Ozuna thing still interesting. And I wanted to ask you about this, because, you know, when I look at Ozuna, I think of him being the DH, obviously. You know, I don't want to see him in left field. But I do wonder exactly how what the plan's going to be. And maybe this is something they'll talk about this weekend at Brace Fest uh, with us. But um, most of the projections I'm seeing have basically got, Travis Darno getting the majority of the plate appearances at DH. I mean, if that's the case, then I think Ozuna's grasp on a, a roster spot is a little bit uh, shakier, you know, if, if the Braves are going to go that route with the double catchers basically playing. Does he figure it in the left field? It was weird. His season last year was weird. I mean, we've talked about it at length, but he had reverse splits last year. And uh, he had a 41-weighted runs created plus against lefties last year and 108 against righties. I mean, he was better than league average against right-handers but was just dreadful against lefties. And then, uh, I mean, he slugged 484 against right-handers, 237 against lefties. Now, that's not that's not the way he's been for his career. He's For his career, he's 116 against left-handers, 111 against righties. You know, I don't know how much you can read into that, but, I mean, he doesn't even look like a good platoon partner for, uh, for Eddie Rosario. And then, you know, if you're going to go that route, then, you know, you're kind of looking at this Jordan that just, that would kind of knock Luplow into just that backup left, you know, you could back up right uh, either spot, either corner spot. So, you know, this is still, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of run these guys out there in spring training to try to figure out what the plan is. You know, I, I I get the sense Hilliard, Hilliard hits left-handed, has played all three outfield positions. I think there's some intriguing things with him, but you know, I'm not still, still, still not sure how, how all these pieces are going to fit together. And I I don't think they're sure
1: how all these pieces, I I really don't. I I think they really are just collecting as many bodies as they can, trying to get them all to spring training and then trying to sort it out. Once spring training starts, because like you said, I mean, I doesn't really fit on the roster anymore. I mean, even in a perfect world, you know, Rosario doesn't play left field that much. You know, he would DH more than anything. And, and Ozuna certainly doesn't ever play left field because, you know, he's just, he's just got awful out there. He can't throw, he can barely run anymore. So it's just not, it's an adventure and, and not in a good way every time he's out there. So, you know, having both those guys on the roster doesn't make a lot of sense. And like you said, when you have two catchers who both can hit and Darnell hit really well last year, I don't think people realize how good of a season Darno had with the bat last year. He had a 120 wRC plus last year. But Darno, as long as he's healthy, and that is always a caveat with him, he should get a lot of the DH bats because Murphy is going to get a lot of the catching opportunities. That's that's why they traded so much to get him, is because he is one of the best catchers in baseball, and so they're obviously going to play him a ton. Um, and so that would that would lean. Darno to the DH and and Rosario and left and then Luplo sometimes and left and Pilar as a defensive replacement. And like you said, so what, you know, what do you do with Ozuno? Where where does he fit into all that? And the truth is he doesn't really fit in at all. If he was, and let's be clear, if he was making no money, if he was making lean minimum, he would have been cut a long time ago. So they're really forcing, you know, trying to find a spot for him at this point, you know, he's not on the team because he feels some need he's on the team because he makes a ton of money. So it'll, it will
0: be interesting to see, like, you know, I'm sure they're wanting him to show something in the spring, and then that might help them, the possibility of moving him, saving some of that money. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, you know, when you look at him, I mean, he's a DH. You know, if he was the 2020 version of Marcelo Zuna suddenly, you know, he's the DH. But then you kind of got that you, – you've got Darno sitting there. Maybe, you know, if he was hitting that well, maybe you could swallow it and play him in left. Some, you know, and then, but then there's Rosario sitting, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, the catcher thing, the catcher at DH thing. I mean, we saw it some last year. I don't think Snicker Snicker did it more than I really thought he would uh, last year. You know, and I don't. I think it'll be interesting to hear what he's got to say about that Saturday at Brace Fest. But you know, I don't know if I don't know if he would do it the whole season unless they carry a third catcher. Yeah, and I mean, and really. I think it gets, I think more gets made of this than, than should, let's just say, you know, if, if Darno got hurt in the first inning and his first at bat and he was behind the plate, Murphy could, and Murphy was DH and Murphy could go behind the plate. The Braves would lose the DH for the rest of the game. Okay. You know, that's bad. That puts you to disadvantage, but it's not like they can't make a roster move as soon as it's over. you know? So, I mean, it's not, it's not catastrophic you, see, yeah. you know it's not it's, like you, it's not like you're you, taking an outfielder and putting him behind the plate suddenly and even if you lose the dh for the rest of the game you can
1: always still pinch hit for the pitcher right. just like you just like you did you know for 100 years before so it, it really is a very small penalty in terms of risk and that's that was kind of the, all the uproar last year when when snit you know came out and said he didn't want to do it because he didn't want somebody to get hurt and then be shorthanded but you know it was funny because he came out and said that and then like three days later he was doing it. You know, he, it was very clear that somebody in the front office was like, this is not as big a risk as you think it is. It's really not. There's really not a lot of downside. You know, we might as well just play both these guys at the same time. And so,
0: yeah. And I think, you know, William Contreras had a lot to do with that too, just yeah. because, just because the offense was struggling at, like it was. And, you know, he was the guy, he and Darno were both hitting and we could see that very, very well see that same situation this year. You know it would yep. not shock me if we start out with Ozuna at DH. But if he doesn't produce, if it's provided he's still on the team opening day, but if he doesn't produce and and the catchers are hitting, then they're not going to have any choice. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to go with it, uh with Darno and Murphy seeing, you know, staying in the lineup, both of them in the lineup, one of them DH and so you know, that's gonna another thing. I mean, we're gonna do storylines probably in the lead up to the start of spring training, but you know, this is gonna be another thing really to watch um as as the spring progresses to just kind of figure out, you know, how these pieces do fit and what they do think, you know, how they're where they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna try to get recoup some value from Ozuna, he's gonna have to play. And where you where you end up playing him, it's gonna be interesting to see how that, you know, how that uh shakes out.
1: And one thing I'll give credit to Alex, both Alex and Snit, is that we saw this last year, and we've seen it in years past. If somebody is not producing at their position, even if they start the season there, they are not shy about getting somebody else in there. Like they will, they do not just let a guy just die on the vine all year just because that's his role, quote unquote. You know, if 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 somebody's playing a position and they're not playing it well, they're not producing. Then Snit, Alex, they've both shown that whoever's producing is going to play, and that's like you said, that was the reason why Contreras and Darno started playing so much together last year is because they were both hitting, and so many other guys weren't. And you know, back this was back you know in April and May when the team was still floundering, you know they needed as much production as they could get in the lineup, and that's going to be the same in 2023. I mean, if if Ozuna's not hitting, hell, he might not even make the team out of spring training. I mean, if he comes to spring training and just looks like crap, then I wouldn't, I don't think anybody would be surprised if he just got cut. And because these, you know, Alex and and Snit both are one. I mean, they have one singular goal for 2023 and that is to win a world series. That's it. That's the only goal. Every single move they make and every decision they make is pointed towards that one singular goal is to win a world series next year. And that means production is going to be king. And if you're, whether you're playing shortstop or left field or DH or, any other position, hell, you know, if Ozzy or, you know, Michael Harris or, you know, whoever is, if you're not producing, you're not going to play. They're going to get somebody else in there to play because they're trying to win a World Series. And that's how it should be, in my opinion. And so it is going to be fascinating, not only the decisions they make coming out of spring training, but then the the secondary decisions that, that they have to make, you know, as guys get, get into the season and, you know, aren't playing like like they should. what What do they do after that? You know, the decisions after the decisions, basically.
0: And, uh, you know, Alex said as much when he was talking earlier this offseason, talking about the shortstop spot, you know, and he basically said, you know, Arcea or or Grissom could start opening day, but it doesn't mean they're going to have that job the whole season, you know. And I I would say the same thing applies to left field. You know, the last thing, just to wrap this up, but it's always when they signed Kevin, when I saw that Kevin Flaher signing, it reminded me just how much, how much maneuvering they've done kind of in that last week of spring training over the past few years. You remember last year, we were sure Phil Gosselin was going to make the opening day roster and they had three, uh, I don't even remember who all they were. They had three guys basically competing for that last bench spot and none of them made it, you know, they sent them all down. They kept three catchers, um, you know, I had a had Contreras start and with Manny Pena and, uh, and Travis and, You know, and then we in the past, we've seen them pick up guys like Matt Joyce, you know, after cut down day. So, you know, a lot of things could change uh, as as this thing goes along, especially if if they're not they don't look at if they look at the situation and they don't like it. They're going to be looking they're going to be on the lookout to add add somebody, you know, and it's not going to be hard to walk away from some of these guys that are on the fringe of the roster uh, trying to compete for a spot.
1: Yeah, and I tweeted this today, but you know, it's also important to remember that left field, specifically left field, is probably the easiest position in baseball to fill in terms of trades in season, just because you typically have a ton of options. You know, you don't have to worry about defense that much. You know, you can kind of put iffy, iffy defensive outfielders in left, which opens up a lot of possibilities. You know, teams who are out of it, if they have a, a guy who's a, a rental and only got, you know, two or three months of team control left they'll usually just kind of give them to you for a prospect that you've generally never heard of. So especially in left, it's obviously different at shortstop, but in left field and DH specifically, those are probably the two easiest positions in baseball to fill in season. And, you know, that's definitely part of the, you know, the equation here is that Alex knows that push comes to shove worst case scenario. If everybody starts playing like crap and they need to overhaul left field and DH, he can probably still do it with very little, you know, very minimal prospect cost,
0: you know, in season. So that's definitely a factor too. All right. Speaking of left field, one of our old friends uh, found a new home this uh, this week. Adam Duvall agreed to a one year, seven million dollar deal with the the Red Sox. Uh, were you surprised uh, Duvall got seven million? I was definitely surprised that he got seven million. You know, he didn't
1: play great last year. He came on a little bit right at the end before he got hurt, but he's not. A young man anymore. I think he's almost thirty-four or thirty-five. Yeah, I can't remember I think how
0: that's right. He I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but he said uh, you know, he got off to a dreadful start. I mean, he was down in Rosario territory. While he but it was weird, it was interesting. I don't say it's weird. I don't know if this had anything to do with it. But about the time Michael Harris arrived and uh he and Duval was able to move back to the corner, you know, he finished his season. I mean, he was scorching hot. I think it was like 140 weighted runs created plus right up until that wrist injury. But the the interesting thing about this deal was it looks like Austin signed him to play center field. And playing center field at Fenway Park is not the same as playing center field at Truist Park. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, You know, I kind of thought the brace might, there might be a reunion here. And in fact, I think I said that again last week. But not, I'm not surprised at all when I saw he got seven million.
1: They really, did Boston
0: really sign him to play center? I didn't see that. It's it's kind of, I mean, it, their offseason's been crazy, but I yeah, see that's some that's Sos. been the
1: weirdest offseason
0: in baseball. You know, it really depends on what they do with Kike Hernandez. Yeah, uh, but right now they don't really have a shortstop uh, because uh, Trevor Story's hurt. And right. and and I'm not I'm kind of fuzzy if they have a second baseman at this point. So there's a chance that Hernandez may end up at one of those two spots. And if they if that happens, then it looks like Duvall might be in center field. Wow. Um, so, you know, don't quote me on that. Things could change. But you know, it was it did seem like his ability to play center field from what I read was something that they they liked and that was one of the reasons that they they pursued him.
1: Interesting. And people forget, you know, Duvall saved the Braves' bacon last year at the beginning of the year because Atlanta's outfield defense was just atrocious. I mean, oh, my God. It was because, you know, early on in the season, they were playing Rosario and Ozuna in right and left field before Acuna got back and playing Duvall in center. And Duvall was the only guy out there that could catch anything. And... He was playing an amazing center field. Like you said, it probably hurt his offense, but he was the only guy on the, literally in the basically the organization because they had already traded Christian Pache for for Matt Olson. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the only guy in you know, basically the organization that could play center field at the major league level, and I never thought he'd be as good as he was a, at it. Um, I do think it hurt his offense, which is why I was surprised that Boston did that. But um, well, you know what I mean? The-
0: it- I forgot about it, but you know, I mean, he was in center for the world series run. Yep. Yeah. All that and, playoff uh, run. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it, and it was one of those things where you were kind of holding your breath a little bit, but you know, he always, he made every play, you know, he yep. looked good out there and, and he, he looked well great. And, yeah. So I can't remember a guy that's had a roller coaster of a career with the Braves more than Adam Duvall, really. I mean, he come over in 2018. I mean, we were, we were stoked to get him in there. Uh, it was gonna. The plan was for him to platoon with Ender. You know, basically hit against lefties, and he was terrible. I mean, he just had he had a terrible uh, finish to that season, so bad that uh, you know most people were calling for him to be non tendered He it began. People forget now. He spent most of two thousand nineteen at Gwinnett. Yep, and then, hit, and hit then thirty home runs. Up, yeah, came up late, played well. You know, of course, twenty twenty was a you know sixty game season. I pointed this out several times, but all of his numbers basically came in a two-week stretch where he had two, three home run games. I mean, he was scorching hot, and then got hurt in the postseason and got non-tendered. Signed with the Marlins, had a huge season with the Marlins to start 2021. Braves pick him up at the trade deadline. You know, I mean, he helped help solidify that outfield uh, to through the World Series run. Going into last year, I remember. You know, it was just like. It, it was a roller coaster of a ride, and I mean, just hear the hear his teammates and, and Brian Snicker talk about him. He he's he's just a stand up guy. You know, comes to work every day. Doesn't say much. Just you know, you got to be happy for him. You know, I, I'll be honest. I'm glad that he's in the American League. If he's not back with the Braves, I didn't want him back in the NL in East because he killed the Braves when he was with the Marlins yeah. for that half a season. You know, so good for him for getting that seven million. I'm kind of, I'm a little sad because I think he could have really helped this outfield situation, but I kind of understand seven million. It kind of felt like they picked Luplow over him. I think you said that actually in Slack, but you know, it kind of felt like when Luplow signed that it was going to be a stretch to see Duvall back here.
1: And I think Boston is a great you know, at least offensively, Now, defensively. If he's got to play center, it's going to be a different story because that place is a, a pain to play in center. But at least offensively, I think Boston is a great ballpark for him because he is a, I mean, he is trying to yank everything. He pulls, I, I tweeted out his, um, his home run spray chart, you know, ever since, you know, basically the last four years. And there's like a handful of them that went to center and then one or two that went to right. And then everything else is just dead pulled. And so you know him getting to play you know with the monster and 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 get to you know basically clang things off the green monster should be good for him. But I just looked it up because I was curious. In 2021, Adam Duvall had a plus two outs above average in center field, and in 2022 he had a plus three outs above average in center field. So he was a literally a plus he wasn't just like adequate and, and league average. He was literally a plus defender in center field for the Braves over two different seasons and, and obviously a world series run. So, you know, he, he never contributed the way I think a lot of us thought he would be, which is kind of a left field, you know, masher who who just kind of did a little bit with the glove. He was, even when he played left, a really, really, really good defensive outfielder and, like you said I, I was sad to see him go. Um I loved Adam Duvall. I, I I'll root for him no matter where he is unless he's playing the Braves and you know I hope he I hope they don't stick him in center all year. That would be kind of tough for a 34 year 35 year old but I hope he does well in Boston. I was I was happy to see him get a major league deal.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, just to reiterate last year, I mean, at times it was Duvall in center, Ozuna in left and Eddie Rosario in right and Eddie <sighs> Eddie Jesus. uh uh, we didn't know it at the time, but Eddie might've been the worst outfielder in that. I mean, granted was it, so was probably, it was his eyes, you know, the eye situation, but you know, he was probably the worst outfielder out there, including Ozuna, you know? So yeah. um the outfield was pretty remarkable last year when you look at it from start to finish, yeah. how it became a, how it became a stream. But I guess obviously, you know, when you get a Acuna back out there and then you, you get a guy like a caliber of Michael Harris, you know, it can change things quickly, but uh you know, yeah. Good. Good luck to uh, to Adam Duvall. I think that's it for us. Again, if uh, if you're going out to Brace Fest this weekend, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Um, I don't know how much time I'll have uh, while I'm out there. I know we're pretty stacked as far as the media portion of this is going to go, uh, but I plan to I plan to write up just about everything that I possibly can that I get from that. So you know, be sure to check the site out over the last over the week, and uh, things should be picking up here. Pretty soon, because um, you know we're getting really close to uh, pitchers and catchers reporting, and uh, got a lot of good things planned for this season.
1: Yep, it's going to be fun. We're really getting close now. You know, when you get to the middle of January, you know, and you start getting under a month until pitchers and catchers report, then you can really start to sense it. There's still some off season left. You know, there's been some rumors that the Braves might not be done, might still have a move or two left in them, but we're really going to start picking up in terms of. You know, January is kind of a dead month in terms of. Uh, news and, and content. So, you know, we just kind of try to grit our teeth and make it through it. But come February 1st, it really starts picking up. And and like you said, with Braves Fest this weekend, we're going to have a lot of content on the site. So check out the site. Uh, we try to get content out, you know, every couple hours. Honestly, we, we have content every day. We have a full podcast feed with Brad and Scott and Sean and obviously me and Chris. And then, you know, we just have a ton of written stuff, both on the major league and minor league side. So... Come check it all out. We appreciate it as always.
0: All right, I'm stopping recording. Oh yeah. Can you can you do a post again? Yep. I got All you. Alright, good deal. Um I'll give you a little sneak peek. It'll be in the email tomorrow, but